0: are listening to 21st Century Women. I'm Jenna Cumming, a podcast created to find and share the stories of fabulous women doing fabulous things. On today's episode, we have one of Australia's top and most well-known milliners, Kim Fletcher travels all around the world with her hat designs. Her creations have been showcased locally in Australia, but also internationally in Dubai, England, Singapore, Japan, China, Germany, the list goes on.
1: When you are wearing a hat, when people meet you, they look at your face. So if you're wearing a hat, that's what they're looking at. So the hat definitely has to be a reflection of how you want people to see you and the perception that they'll get. And that's one of the best things about my job is actually working through a process. And it is a collaborative process with my clients. What they want to people what they want them to see.
0: The extremely talented and truly grounded, fabulous woman, Kimmy Fletcher. I'm excited to catch up and, of course, find out who, what, how, why you do what you do. Welcome to 21st Century Women, Kimmy Fletcher. Oh, thanks for having me, Jenna. No, it's good to catch up, Kimmy, and, of course, find out a bit about you and who, what, how, why you do what you do. Um... So, Kimmy, to kick things off, um, is it true that you didn't start millinery? You weren't a milliner <laughs> until post
1: your baby? That's definitely true. <laughs> fashion business for me? No, <laughs> no. I actually worked in um, administration in a, a large office that was at a truck manufacturing company in Dandenong, paid 500 people a week. And to be honest, Jenna, I, I loved my job. It wasn't a case of not enjoying it and trying something else but it was one of those things where uh, after having Emma and a lot of women would be able to associate themselves with this. So I, I just struggled when I went back to work. I struggled with the life, work-life balance in terms of I had um, work which was pretty stressful and then I'd go home and I had a small child that needed my attention and I dissolved. Um, there was no me. I, I was just this person that was running from one thing to another. And and all it was, Jenna, was I, I saw an advertisement in the newspaper, one night a week, six months, a millinery course. And I thought, well, what's the worst that can happen? I could make a hat I could wear to the Melbourne Cup Carnival. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I started in 1993 in a millinery course and was hooked. And it was one of those things, it was it's just a case of everything fitting, you know, all the stars aligned. <laughs> um, my ex-husband and I had gone to the races regularly and I, I really enjoy horse racing as a spectacle. And so it was a good fit. I mm. mean, we had a lot of very slow horses Mm. that that we run. (laughs) But at the same time, we love the social part of it. So, you know, millinery Mm. just was a really good fit for me.
0: Mm. Well, you think this is what back in 1993, I say, way back when. But women these days at the moment, they're having kids and they are trying different, all different business, you know, ventures while their kids are small and little. But to do that back in 1993, that
1: wasn't quite the norm, was it? Well, no. It probably wasn't, Jenna, because what I, I had to basically work part time to pay for my expensive hobby. Because <laughs> um, well, millinery expensive. isn't exactly <laughs> yeah. a cheap, cheap um, profession to go into. There's um, a lot of expenses, and it's not something that you would do thinking oh, I'm going to make a million dollars. Because if yeah. you go into well, if you go into anything, I suppose like that, you're going to be disappointed. Yep. And it's like everyone says, if you're passionate about something, you'll do a good job. And mm. hopefully then your rewards will come. And I've been lucky enough that that's been the way of my yeah. business. Yeah.
0: yeah. Now, I find it really hard to believe. But is it true that you, when you started out, you were selling your hats at the markets? <laughs>
1: <laughs> it definitely was. Yeah. It was one way of um, getting to to see how customers felt about your product and Mm. things like that and a stepping stone um as i said to you millinery's a really expensive hobby so you can't just keep creating these hats you have to actually find some way of recouping some of the costs so i started at um collins place in the city Mm. they had a market every sunday so i used to go in there and have to be there by set up by seven o'clock, Jenna, and and packed up by five. And and yeah, but it was one of those good, I actually enjoyed the experience, even though it wasn't a huge money-making venture. Meeting people, talking to them about what they did and didn't like, getting feedback, it was all part of the grounding. So it was a really good experience.
0: So I mean, now Kimmy, you are flying all around the world. You're a recogn- <laughs> no, you're a recognised milliner throughout Australia, and an amazing, amazing designer. so I guess, how have you got from selling hats part time from the markets to where you are today? It's a pretty impressive journey.
1: A lot of, a lot of it's luck, luck. It Don't is, believe Jenna. it. No, it no. is so nice. Yeah, you have to be fortunate, Jenna, and and in a lot of cases, it's the fortune is in the people that you meet and who decides that they want to help you, I suppose that's it. Yeah. I was lucky early on, one of our good friends, Dagmar Yeoman, <laughs> I met her at a at a fashion parade, and, and it was one of those things. She liked my hats, and, and I liked her. She was a, a really friendly person, and it just so happened that she was quite a powerful person within the racing mm. industry in terms of the position she held, and she was able to, I suppose, give me – the stepping stones and the initial um just help up hand up yeah. to be able to be uh seen in the racing industry so yeah the invitations to to display my hats at the races and and things of that nature which then meant that i had some exposure to my clients
0: yeah yeah of course she's a pretty impressive woman she is definitely <laughs> So then, Kimmy, in terms of talking about your journey from 1993 to now, mm-hmm. what's your style of hat and how has it changed in that time?
1: Uh, I suppose, gentlemen, you know, my, my mm-hmm. clientele are pretty confident women and they have to be. <laughs> uh, my hats aren't very subtle. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, I suppose to a certain extent people look at my pieces and they'll either love or hate them. There's very yep. little in between. Yeah. Um. Yeah, they have changed. I mean, it's like everything in fashion, it changed. Sometimes it's just versions of things that have gone before. But um, I suppose when I first started, it was funny because my clients would come in and they'd you know, get their dresses, um, the hems done or whatever else, and they'd... Bring in the bit that was left over, and I had to bind the bind the hat with the the leftover material. It was all matchy matchy. Everything had to be absolutely oh, perfect. Um, awesome. The bag had to match the shoes, We had to match the hat, and oh, it was so. Oh, Can you imagine you look at that now, now? Oh, yeah, God, awful. <laughs> but now it's more more in terms of sculptural. Um, we're using a lot of different materials that aren't traditionally weren't traditionally used in in millinery itself. We're using thermoplastics. Um, I showed you today we're using mm. foam. Mm. Um, it's so cool. it's, it's really cool. just trying to – I mean, the methods are, are still what they were using in yesteryear, but we're using more modern, up-to-date materials that are current now and just seeing where we can push them.
0: Yeah. Mm. And, you know, for me, my experience, Kimmy, you've made me hats. Um, and I guess what I love about – your incredible talent <laughs> <laughs> is that every single time i we've worked on something, um, each piece reflects who I am, um, and I guess everything. You never push me into a corner. You never force me to do a trend. Instead, you've gone, okay. Well, what makes you you? And what? Let's find a piece, and you've nailed it every single time. Oh, that is yeah, what you kind. Have. But then I, I feel confident. I feel comfortable. Yeah. Um like it, how do you how do you do that like what's we, the secret? I think that's your you know I, massive
1: point of difference
0: you have just you're incredible not many thank people you. can do that but
1: you know well what it is general I suppose that you've got to remember that um when you're wearing a hat don't share all your secrets by the way <laughs> no no, no, no that will be fine but um when you are wearing a hat when mm. people meet you, they look at your face, so if you're wearing a hat um that's what they're looking at so the hat definitely has to be a reflection of how you want people to see you and the perception that they'll get because yeah um it is it's, it's one of those things where yeah okay i can we we've had it in the past where we've had models now drop dead gorgeous six foot tall all the rest of it and put a hat on their head but if they can't confidently carry it off it won't work now physically yeah the face shape the the proportions are right but mentally if they're not got the confidence they can't carry it off so yeah it is and that's one of the best things about my job is actually working through a process and it is a collaborative process with my clients in finding out what they want people what they want them to see um yeah, and so it is one of those things. If you're a conservative person, you can't wear an outrageous hat. You just feel awkward all day. And and it actually works in the works in the opposite way too. If you're very flamboyant and you wear a conservative hat, you won't enjoy yourself.
0: Yeah, I can't do that. No, <laughs> <laughs> that funny about that. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: No, you're pretty. No, I think it is. You're a part part milliner and part people reader, something because yeah. you know there's a massive. Being able to understand people. is
1: Well, a I suppose it's skill. an education thing because we weren't taught how to wear hats. Yeah. Um, not my mum doesn't didn't like hats, <laughs> uh, so it was one of those things where she didn't ever teach me what hats would suit me and all the rest. So I've got no background in it at all, and that's generally the rule because unless they wear hats to the races it's very rare for a woman to wear a hat in melbourne so yeah so it's one of those things where yeah you need a little bit of assistance just to try things on and and give you that confidence that yes she can wear it and be comfortable were
0: you interested in fashion
1: Ah, uh, yeah yeah and it's funny um for my 40th birthday my my sister got all these photos of when we were kids and everything and put them up and um Was hilarious. Even when I was little, (laughs) I was shoving teapots on teapot cozies on my head, (laughs) and uh, it was amazing the amount of hats I actually had when I was a kid that I hadn't hadn't really
0: realised that
1: that was there. But yeah, I did. I used to wear kangol hats because I like Donny Osmond and Michael Jackson. (laughs) Yeah, so they all wore hat caps, so I wore one too. But yeah, I did. I did oh, like amazing. Fashion.
0: Yeah, mm. that's amazing. Give me where does your where does your inspiration? There's pressure, Avery. You've been the the more well known you get. There's so much pressure to have these incredible hats. I so where mm. the hell do you get your inspiration from? And continually get that. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah. You have to change, Jenny. You can't yeah. stay stagnant. Um, as I said to you, I enjoy using different materials. So often it's oh. it's using materials. And things evolve, um, the shapes that you see in terms of headwear. Uh, last year there were lots of little crowns that were more on more towards the wedding bridal sort of look. Yeah, okay, gotcha. Um, what you'll find is that, yeah, they've grown legs this year and they're mm. bigger and um, they're more like a halo shape. So um, that's the trend. Now, my, my clients aren't the sorts of women that tend to just want a trend piece because yeah. they want something that's a bit more Statement substantial piece. and and more about them so yep. I, obviously i've got to have what's on trend in yep. my range but it's not going to be a staple for me um i'm actually trying to bring in more hats with brims and crowns and things so ah. so we'll, we'll actually be putting pieces in along those lines yeah
0: that's cool yeah. super cool <laughs> so hey halos look out for the for the halo, <laughs> Yeah,
1: because we're all angels. <laughs>
0: Let's face it. <laughs> Talk for yourself. <laughs> um, before, in the business element of your story, Kimmy, is pretty impressive. Um, millinery throughout Australia is popular at the mm-hmm. moment. You know, you, you go to Oaks Day, for example, and the Millinery Awards there is hundreds yep. of contestants. Is there a market in Australia and is there? enough people is the market industry is it the industry big enough for all of you Uh,
1: probably not Mm -hmm. probably not and and that again comes back to education of the general public jenna because if they can't tell the difference between a student who's done a weekend course and someone of my experience who's obviously been in the business for 24 years that's where the problem comes from because if they if if the general public sees something and it's been glue gunned together and it's sort of yeah yeah, ho-hum but um but they think it's the same as something that's had <laughs> hand stitching and been done for eight, you know, hand stitching and took, taken about eight hours to make. That's where the problem comes from because um, they can't see this disparity in the prices and things of that nature. So that is a problem that milliners have to face all the time. But
0: is it getting easier easier in the last even two years? Oh
1: people love get caught out, say, I swear. I'd love to be able to say yes but the other it's way. no it's it's probably stayed the same and it's mm. it's due to the fact that we don't wear headwear very often yeah so it's it is just really just
0: on the racing season yeah, yeah what is. else is i mean we don't you never it to the theater anymore would you no no <laughs> but
1: it, it is one of those things look i, I mean when I was looking for my fir- first and only shop, I've been here nineteen years now. But when I was looking to find a place to to base myself, I actually looked, and I based myself in the um, biggest part of the Jewish community in Melbourne, mm. purely because in the Jewish community, married women have to wear head covering if they go into synagogue. Ah. So, as, as a just economics means that that way, hopefully that that would. You know, resolved in turnover, and it does. It's not That's huge, clever. but it's it's one of those things that keeps the, mm. the till ticking over. So, yeah, the other way is um, export, and I do I export yep. to Dubai. Yep. So, yeah, we do stuff like that, but um, it's it's picking up different things and and working them within your millinery business, so trying to make yourself more viable because yeah, with with us relying on the racing season, and the majority of my income for the year does come from. Melbourne Cup Carnival itself yeah. that whole week. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's just trying to make yourself mm. viable for twelve months. Yeah.
0: yeah. I know you say that where you are is a lot of fortune and luck, <laughs> but you just said right then that you made an economical choice to be to set up your office or your um, showroom in this area. Yeah. So I guess Kimmy, you've, you've got. A, Good head on you, or you've been surrounded by amazing (laughs) people. Do you have any tips for anybody starting a business, fashion-related or not? You've Um, succeeded, so.
1: Yeah, basically, don't overcommit yourself. Mm. I mean, I've, you know, I've done things on a shoestring for a long time to make sure that I don't overcommit so that I can stay within this industry. And, you know, there's been people that have come before me and crashed and burned because they tried to expand and, and then just... Got themselves into financial difficulties and had to yeah. had to stop. The other thing that I'd suggest is that you need to take chances. Mm. Um, not with money, as I don't mean, but um, in A terms of uh, my outlook is that look, if someone asks me to do something, okay, say yes, and then try and work out later how to how to actually achieve that. Yeah. Um, and I've been lucky enough that I've been able to have some amazing experiences, mm-hmm. which. If I thought about them, I probably should have said no a couple of times. <laughs> but but because I thought, no, have a crack at it, say yes, and then worked out later how I was going to actually fulfil what I'd said I'd do. And yeah, yeah, it, it means that okay, it's a bit dangerous and it 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 puts it on edge and you're under the pump a bit. Yeah. But that's life, and, it it, and doors yeah, oh, it, well, it does yeah. certainly open doors, Jenna. I mean, um, just things like um, I I got asked to if I'd like to do to have parades at the Ritz Hotel in London. That's right. I'd never even been to England before <laughs> at that stage, Jenna. And um I just said yes, not a problem. <laughs> had no idea about customs, duty, what I could bring into the country or anything. And I got to uh Heathrow Airport and um I had oh, something like thirty hats in boxes, in these huge boxes and got to customs and just being really naive, they asked me what was in the box. I said, oh, i got 30 hats. And they said, well, you're going to have to pay duty on those. Yeah. And I nearly died. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I said, okay. And they said, do you know what value are? I said, well, no, because I made them so they're mine. <laughs> they're not samples or anything. Um, and I explained what I was doing. And they said, no, you'll still have to pay duty on them because you're bringing them in. Because I explained that I was taking them home. No, no, you'll still have to pay duty on them and that's okay. But what had happened is I actually couldn't fit all the hats in the boxes when I was trying to pack them up. And so I'd taken them apart. So the brims and crowns were separate. So when the customs officer looked at them, they said, well, they're not finished. And I said, no. And they said, that's okay. You go through <laughs> them. We won't have to pay. <laughs> Thank so yeah, God. but I mean, if I had a thought about it and realised that they were going to charge me some astronomical cost to get them in I probably would have said no you can't do that it's too hard yeah don't they say
0: it's easier to um plead for forgiveness
1: than ask for oh pure ignorance I can't (laughs) can't say anything other than there just didn't know didn't have any idea so
0: yeah so and tell me if I'm right in this but there was a good friend of yours Andrew who you met mm. him and his wife yep that's how you got to the Ritz yeah um, or an invitation so yeah. you've come across pretty incredible people mentors
1: or icons for sure who
0: are they and, for and sure what was
1: that well you spoke like? about Andrew Andrew's actually the uh, vice chairman of the Ritz mm. and he's the uh, um in chairman, chairman of the Ritz Club the the Gambling House, uh, private gambling club within the Ritz. Um, he's given me amazing opportunities. I met him in Dubai, he and his wife, and his wife bought several hats from me. They were out for the World Cup. That was back in 2001, and it was just a case of um, right place, right time. They'd seen a couple of parades that we'd done in, in Dubai, and yeah, it was Amanda who said to her husband, you should get Kim to come out. Um, before Royal Ascot and do these parades, and yeah, so I mean opportunities, things that happen. Um, it, it was just a friendship, and they wanted to help me, so um, yeah, so that's where that came about, and it was one of those things where you never know who's in the audience either when yeah. you're doing <laughs> these things. Yeah, <laughs> um, it was um, Maggie Thatcher was actually in the audience, really? and it was hilarious though because there was um, one of those things where apparently. Her security, she was in for afternoon tea mm. at the Ritz. As you and, do. Yeah, yeah, as you <laughs> do. And, um, yeah, and, and her security went given the brief that we were having a parade. So there's all these MI5 people running around like headless chooks in, in the Ritz because we'd caused a fuss because we had a hat parade in the halls of the uh, Ritz. So, yes, yeah, so different things happened. I was oblivious to it. I had no idea, but apparently it caused some problems oh for a while. But, um, yeah, Andrew's one. Um, Sue Lloyd-Williams, who, who used to be at the VRC and is now with um, Melbourne Fashion Festival. Uh, she's been a huge influence. Uh, she was the one who initially got me to go overseas with the Melbourne Cup. Oh. So, yeah, so they've probably been two major ones. And mm. then friends like Dagmar Yeaman, who I said um, has helped me on my way and to this... I don't know why she does it in terms of she's still helping me. <laughs> because yeah. she's an incredible woman. Oh, she's why. an amazing woman. Mm. So, yeah, I'm lucky to call her my friend. And, mm. yeah, so, mm. no, meet some incredible mm. people. Yeah. And they, at the end of the day, most people are very positive yeah. and they want to help others. Yeah. And so it's just a case of listening and, and seeing what opportunities mm. there and, mm. and um, going with it, yeah. Mm.
0: There's, a, there's a huge uh, fashion icon Stephen jones <laughs> yeah amazing amazing man. <laughs> Ag-
1: absolutely incredible man and yeah.
0: you you know you guys have a pretty unique relationship and respect i think for one another yeah. um but you know being surrounded you are surrounded by absolutely incredible people whether it is support from the likes of Dagmar, yeah um or being able to mingle and network and with yeah, the likes yeah. of Stephen jones who yeah. What on the weekend, design Miranda Kerr's... Wedding piece, yeah. Wedding piece, is that
1: what they call it? Yeah. Well, with with Stephen, I mean, that was all one of those things where um, from the time I was doing my study in millinery, you know, looking at magazines and things like that, I identified way back then that I had a love for his hats. Yeah. He's an incredible milliner. And so, yeah, from 1993 when I sort of started actually looking to see who designed the headwear, <laughs> I, I knew about Stephen Jones. And, um, yeah, so it was one of those things that fate brought us together. Um, actually, Dagmar again. <laughs> uh, Dagmar was on the um, – little angel. Yeah. She, she was on a, a, a thing where she was working for the Dubai Racing Club mm. for a couple of months over the period that they had their World Cup. And uh, I was in Dubai and they had an amazing ladies' lunch there. And what they'd done was their special guest was Stephen Jones. Um, Saks Fifth Avenue was, was the sponsor of the lunch itself and Stephen's one of their Milanis. And so they had this incredible parade where they had Alberta Fretti clothes and they'd flown out all these models from Europe. The lighting guys and, and choreographer were from, from all different, different parts of the world um the stylist was from Melbourne um and it was just one of those things where Dagmar was working on the lunch she was helping run it and so Stephen was there and like she'd heard for years me yapping about (laughs) Stephen Stephen Jones. Jones Stephen Jones that and um I was at the lunch and she came up and she said oh I've got someone to you know you need to come meet someone. I said who? And she said, "Well, Stephen Jones." I said, "I'm not meeting him. There's no way I want to meet him." And she got angry with me. And I said, "Well, no." I said, "What? What? If? I said I've got him, hold him up so high in my estimations." I said, "What if I meet him and I don't like him?" Yeah. And she said, "As if I'd do that to you." So anyway, so yeah, so that's where I met him, and mm. I, I can't remember how long ago now. it now. Must have been about 2004 or something. Yeah. Yeah, and um, he was just very generous, mm. very generous. Mm. And, and uh, yeah, and from there we were able to actually get him to come out to the Melbourne Cup that year. So, yeah, so the friendship started then and over the years we've sort of kept in touch or been... And he's come places. Out a he's more come times. out several times. Yeah. yeah, he loves Melbourne. He loves the Melbourne Cup Carnival. So, awesome. he's been out three times yeah, for that. That's awesome. Yeah.
0: And Kimmy, you represent a number of horse racing bodies. Um, talk us through who they are and what you do, and in uh, and traveling the world. Okay. Outside of the Melbourne <laughs> Cup Carnival,
1: what do you do? Yeah, I suppose what it is is. Um, uh, well, major one is the VRC of course. Um, with the internationalisation of the Melbourne Cup itself and having having runners from all overseas, um, they realized that there was an opportunity there to grow the international market, yep. you know, incoming into into Melbourne and therefore growing their audience. And so I think it was about fourteen years ago now, Gina, um, they started do they started their international programme where they actually focused on different Parts of the world, yep. and would go out and promote the Melbourne Cup and yep. encourage people to come and actually see it. Yeah. Uh, so it's been an incredible ride, incredible journey. We've we've been I've been lucky enough to go you know all through Asia, mm. predominantly all through Asia. Um, we've been to Ireland, England several times, Germany, uh, France. We've been everywhere promoting mm. the Melbourne Cup. And in the last few years, it's been um, probably aiming more at the Asian market. Yeah. And it makes sense because uh, Asians as a whole, they, they have a very big horse industry. Yeah. When you think of Hong Kong mm. and Japan, that's a huge horse market. Mm. Sorry, race horse market. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, they do like their races, but it it is totally different to what we have in Melbourne. Yeah. And that's one of the big pluses for us. And I think as, as Australians, we probably don't realise what we've got here. It is absolutely uh, one of the treasures that we have in Australia is yeah. the Melbourne Cup Carnival and the Melbourne Cup itself mm. um, because it's all inclusive mm. and everyone yep. knows when it's on. Everyone knows who's running and we get involved, whether, whether you're from Tassie or northern Queensland or over in Western Australia. Uh, And I know the troops in Afghanistan and Iraq, they actually watch it live. Isn't that amazing? Um, So in terms of our national identity, it is incredibly yeah. important. Mm. So to be able to go overseas and promote something like that is real, for me, it's mm. really easy. That is
0: all inclusive. That's yeah. what I love about it is there's this beautiful mix between sport and fashion and social, which Definitely. It, it includes everyone. Yeah, And includes whether you, you know, want to come with your family yep. or, you know, have a strictly adults day only, you know, it is so inclusive and, fun there's so many elements to it ah,
1: and it's one of those things jenna yeah well there's a lot of elements to it in mm. terms of there's a lot of business done on race course yeah. i mean hence the corporate areas but then yeah you can go in the public and have a, mm. have a ball on a rug on the mm. lawn um mm. and it is so inclusive and it doesn't matter whether you've got your clothes from the local department store or you've yep. gone to a high-end couture designer yep. um does not matter at the least uh yeah it is all inclusive and mm. so that sets us apart from other other racing events in the world so especially when we go over to asia where asian audiences for racing are predominantly male yeah so when we go into these countries we actually promote uh the social and fashion aspect and really are trying to attract the women because obviously obviously if if the females are wanting to come the male counterparts will come (laughs) But, uh, yeah, uh, so that's why we do it Mm. that way because there's no point in going to those markets and trying to promote things that they've already doing well. Yeah, exactly. It's about our point of difference. Yeah, no, exactly.
0: That's really interesting, Kimmy. So tell us, uh, who's the most interesting person you've ever designed a hat for?
1: Well, the most famous? Yeah. Most famous famous person would be Luciano Pavarotti ended up with one of my hats, (laughs) but that was not something that was really planned, you know. (laughs) Um, for those that don't know, he's a he's the o- yes. opera singer who's now passed away. But um, he came out to Australia, and at that stage, we had a dinner called the Chairman's Dinner yep. um, out at the VRC. It was held at Flemington each year, and thousand dollars a plate, mm-hmm. and the money all went to charity. Mm-hmm. And he agreed to sing at that that actual event, so that's fine. So he went out there and. And sang and uh, he actually donated his appearance fee to uh, Children's Cancer Fund. Which was how much? It was $100,000 and he he just gave it straight to them. And they were involved in the pin and win. For those that know what pin and win is, it's a little pin that's in the shape of the Melbourne Cup. And uh, that's the fundraiser that they had. So... They wanted to thank him because, mm. like, this man had just come and sung and he's one of the most famous people in the world mm. and he hadn't taken a cent. He'd just given mm. it all to them. So they wanted to thank him and, and obviously have a photo op and all the rest of them. And he was staying at Crown. So they got Crown involved and, and Peacock, who's the tele, telecommunications mm. um, manager there, uh, they decided, well, okay, how how can we do this and what can we do? And they thought, well, okay, we'll – get him one of the pins, but instead we'll put diamonds in it and that way he'll have something Beautiful. that he can have a memory and a thank you. Mm. So then they thought, well, how are we going to present it? So they decided, well, okay, what if we get Anne to wear a gold hat and we'll pin the the, the pin itself, the cup pin on the hat? Mm-hmm. So that's what they did. So they, <laughs> I get a phone call, Kim, can you make a gold hat? Yeah, okay, that's fine. So, yeah, So we made the gold hat. And they put the pin on it, and so and he went down and did the presentation and everything, and and they went to take the pin off the hat, mm. and he just said, "No, no, 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 I want the hat." <laughs> so, he, he they took the hat off in his head, and and um, yeah, he decided he was going to put on his, <laughs> and, <laughs> and uh, they had to explain, you know, Maestro, it's yeah. actually a lady's hat," and he said. Well, that's okay. I have a wife, oh, so yeah. So I, I got these, yeah, messages from from the guys at at um the Cancer Foundation and and at Crown saying we don't know what to do. He's decided he wants to keep yeah. the I said, well, just give it to him. He's giving you a hundred thousand dollars. So oh. yeah. So but he'd be. By far the most yeah. famous person who's ever had. One of my hats on his head. With the cool,
0: I want to know where that hat is now. God knows. Know God <laughs> that knows. Um, so then, who, Kimmy? Your who would be your favourite celebrity uh, that you that, that I do hats for? Yeah. Be
1: oh, that's really easy. Joe Griggs.
0: Oh, and why? Yeah. Well, Joe Does Griggs, she like big hats? Does she do creative out there? Um,
1: she has to be careful because she actually is one of the anchors for the Channel Seven um, Telecast. Yes. And so, therefore, there are restrictions because you can't have shadows over a face oh, and things of that nature. So we do have to be careful oh, with what we make her. Um, that's and
0: a tight brief with all of those restrictions, and then yeah, you know.
1: Well, it'd something. be pretty awful to be looking at her on camera and have a great big shadows, so you only <laughs> see true. one side of her face. So, um, well, yeah. halo
0: might suit her this oh, year. <laughs> halo <laughs> might. <laughs> well, she's she an might angel. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. no, she is one of the loveliest ladies that you're ever likely to meet oh, and wow. she is exactly the same on screen as off mm-hmm. um just warm Beautiful. and generous yeah. yeah so i really enjoy doing things for her because uh, oh. she is such a lovely person
0: oh, I love it. <laughs> so kimmy you're speaking of lovely people um what i admire most about you is how how successful you are yet you're still so humble and grounded <laughs> And down to earth, you're one of the most down to earth people I know. Uh, yet you design hats for Australia's celebrities, you design hats for, you know, famous people all around the world. You are, you have done, had a stellar career. How how are you, how the hell are you still so humble?
1: You know, I've got a family that's soon knock it out of me if <laughs> I got too big for myself. But I, I suppose it comes back to who you are and, and your upbringing. I was, yeah. I'm a country kid, originally from um Maffra in Gippsland. Mafra. Yeah, Mafra. <laughs> and uh, I think those core beliefs and those core mm. values that you brought up with, uh, uh, they stay with you. And mm. like even though I was, I think it was about 11 when we met, uh, came down to Melbourne, mm. that was the basis of who I yeah. am. And so, uh, yeah, it, it's just family, mm. Mm. mainly family. Yeah. Um, Did you ever
0: get carried away? You see people who have come from, you know, lots and become – well-known and famous and they just get carried away with themselves you know what you Jenna
1: don't. you have to be practical at the <laughs> end of the day most people the majority of people don't know what a milliner does yeah so if they don't know what a milliner does they're certainly not going to know who Kim <laughs> Fletcher is so yeah okay you might get your picture in the paper or a line somewhere but keep it into perspective I mean I'm not curing cancer or anything like that hopefully I'm I'm putting a smile on my client's face when they come and pick up their mm-hmm. hats, but it, I mean it's all relative. And yeah. yeah,
0: well, I think you're pretty grateful, Kimmy, and I think Australia loves you for that. <laughs> so I'm going to go with that. Um, all right, so let's. I know there'll be plenty of people on this. will so be a hot topic in the next six weeks. Yeah, but spring carnival this
1: year—it's actually not that far away. It's no, it's just over a hundred. Oh, you're yeah, 100 days. No, I saw it on the VRC. <laughs> Social media came up and I nearly died. Oh. It was, yeah, last week it came up and said it was 110 days to Melbourne Cup and I thought, oh no.
0: <laughs> so, what's on trend this year, Kimmy? What are we going to, what yeah. colours, what are we going to see? We know halos, so what else? Yeah,
1: uh, colour wise, I'm seeing a lot of pink. I'm loving um, the pink. So, yeah, and you'll have a residue of the metallics that was came through last year, I think you'll have rose gold and, and those sort of metallics will still be okay. part of our fashion. Um, but yeah, it's quite strong, the colours that are mm-hmm. coming through. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And are we hats, more fascinators or Oh, still be, There'll still
1: be headpieces. Um, yeah. There's twofold, know. One is they're easy to wear. Yep. Yeah. And the second one is you don't need a head size yeah. because people forget that when they're wearing hats with yeah. a brim and a crown... To fit, They need it to fit properly yeah, and our head shapes and head head dimensions yeah. are all different. So it means that you have to have them fitted properly mm-hmm. whereas with a headpiece, they sit on top and it's one size fits all. Yep. So um, I can't see the headpiece going out of fashion for a very long time. Um, that makes sense. Well, retailers like them because yes. they don't have to buy a series of three mm. for to get them all the right size. Yeah. Um,
0: I think you've said before, which I quite like. I fascinators, and the small headpieces are a nice way to introduce yeah. women to, yeah, you know, headwear, because well, especially the younger big, ones. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, jump.
1: well, I mean, you you can have those smaller pieces can be really intricate and yeah. quite expensive anyway, but it does lend itself to having a a lower price point. Yeah. So if if someone, especially younger market that mm. are just coming into to go into racing maybe for the first time and want to get dressed up. Yeah. It gives them the opportunity to wear a headwear and yeah. fit in and yep. um, get the confidence that later mm. on they'll, mm. they'll be able to wear something a bit more elaborate yeah. and, and substantial. Mm. Yeah.
0: So my dress code, Kimmy, I've always gone. If you, <laughs> 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 oh, yeah. if you wear confidence, then I've never really followed a trend, whether I have or not, I'm not sure, but... Yeah, I'm I'm a full believer in if you just wear it confidently, then you make but that's it on true. trend kind you of thing. You can make it. You, you so make I it work. agree and I think anyone who's out there having a crack that it's just have fun with it 100%. Yeah. However, is there anything that we should avoid this spring? Oh,
1: God, if I see anyone wear lace cats ears, I'll <laughs> throw up. As far as I'm concerned, they were out three years ago and I still saw some of them last year, so please don't wear them. No ears. No ears. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Oh, that's so funny. Anyway, Kimmy, we also want to touch on that you have your, your runway or your showcase of your season. Yep. at Wednesday the 6th of September that's at Lexus right. Brighton. Um, what is really unique about your runway is you have everyday women part of all your models. You don't have um, high-end models showcasing your hats. Oh, yeah. Um, which is pretty amazing. Uh, I think it reflects who you are. So, again, kudos to you. Um, can anyone come along?
1: Um, we have to know it will not, can't have thousands, Jenna. <laughs> I know, we <we're> <laughs> There is a limit to how many will fit in the showroom. Lexus are bright and Brighton are very generous and do pull their cars out of the showroom so that we can do it. But, um, obviously my clients all get involved, yep. uh, and in, sorry, invited and, and Lexus invites some of their better clients too. Um, yeah, but if, if someone wants to, they can give me a call and mm. if there's space um, they can come along. Mm-hmm. But back to what you were saying about the models, I think it's really important when you are showcasing the, your work that your actual audience and who you're trying to uh, connect with, mm. do relate to the models. Yeah. And my clientele aren't 18-year-old, six-foot-tall models. Yeah. Um, they're more mature women. Yeah, And so I like to think that when they come, they can actually see someone on the runway that yeah. they can – see and and then imagine themselves wearing those pieces and as for not real models that isn't true all of you have done <laughs> modeling of, of some sort in the past it's just it's not your actual profession so i think you do a brilliant job no, I and it's it's um amazing women. but it also means that it's it's not so um i suppose sterile mm. for one yeah, or another word in terms yeah. of it's meant to be friendly so if you it's We're down there and there's and a bit of warm. a stumble or something. Yeah. It doesn't matter. And and the last thing I want is for models to be walking down somber face. So yeah. I mean, we always say get out there and smile. And I know Katie Flockart has got there and done a bit of a jig one time, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, danced a bit to the music and, oh, and whatever what else. About. And and um some yeah, because some of the girls have got their kids there. Yeah. So yeah, I mean yeah. Nina O'Brien and mm. and they've all got a connect connection to racing. Yeah, yeah, whether their husbands. Have been yeah. jockeys or, or whatever else, there's a connection to racing within that group. Yeah, so yeah.
0: No, I think it's pretty cool. Well, I'll be there with hats on, Kimmy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You've got no choice. We'll drag in, Jimmy. Pardon <laughs>
0: the pun. Um, but I also think, too, in the whole experience of creating a tailor made hat. Mm-hmm. For you is a pretty. I find it a pretty remarkable experience. And if you do it every single season, or if you just do it once off, yep. these pieces you have forever. Yeah. You know, for me, I can't wait to give for one day have my children's kids have a piece. You know what I mean? It's yeah. pretty amazing yeah. stuff. And I think even if you just do it once, um, yeah, you're not going to regret it. I don't think.
1: Well, it's funny with my clientele. Um. I've got one client who she's got. She'd have over 120 mm. of my hats. 120. Yeah, she's uh, she's got a second bedroom in her apartment, <gasps> and it's just got wall-to-wall hat 120 boxes.
0: 120. She would hats.
1: easy because she she's been buying hats from me she for over 20 years. She could
0: start a museum years. with your hats.
1: She probably could, but yeah, that would but, be and, amazing. But see, her her hats are more extravagant and extreme. Mm. She's she puts hers into two categories, I suppose. She's got because she wears a hat every day. So, oh. yeah, so she wears a hat every day. But the hats that she wears to, say, to work, most people would wear to the races or something. <laughs> she, 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 it's her thing. Hat to her thing. Wow. So she does. So I've got clients like that. And then I've got the client that comes in once a year or once every second year and, and gets a, a special piece made. Now, what I'd suggest to anyone listening that's not sure, um, if you can... Go to a milliner and get a milliner to make your hat because what it is is the techniques that we use, we don't use glue um, in putting the hats together. So therefore, if, if you want a piece to last that you'll be able to wear for mm. quite a few seasons, um, you're working in collaboration with your milliner, you can work out what would be a good base, yep. get that in a neutral colour, whether it be black or an, a neutral cream or something yep. along those lines. And then what you can do in, in the seasons that come, as long as you get the right shape that really suits your face shape mm. and your build, you can change the trimming on it.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. okay, mm. um,
1: this year you might want to wear it to Derby Day, so you've got yep. a black base, so you'll have black and white trim. Yep. Well, next year you might wear it to Cup Day. Well, yep. okay, you can go all out and change the trim to pinks mm. and blues mm. or something. But, yeah, that way economically when mm. you're thinking about something, if, if you're concerned about mm. the cost – it's a good way of the um, We've done that a couple cost. of times.
0: We've, yeah. we changed a flower or something yeah. in one hat. And, and it, it totally transformed it the entire outfit. You wouldn't even know. No, it's pretty no. amazing what you can do.
1: And, and I know that some people are conscious too with social media and the mm. photos being up there forever. They think, oh... I can't possibly wear something again. Well, you can. Yeah. And as you said, even if the hat hasn't changed and you've used the same hat, if you've got a different shaped garment or different coloured, it will change the look of it. So don't be afraid to reuse your pieces. Yeah. And as I said, go to a, a milliner who mm. knows their stuff and just ensure that they haven't glued the trims on so yeah. that way it can be unstitched and something else can go in its place and that way just makes it more viable and economical for mm. you in the long run
0: yeah mm. all right kimmy well i want to wrap things up but before we do um <laughs> where if people want to bu- either buy a hat get a hat made this season now i know you've got orders 100 meters high <laughs> but even come in your showroom or have a chat to you how do they do they email you or do they call you or go to your website
1: Uh both all yep. all above um, and it's
0: uh, it's, it's info at kimfletcher.com.au yeah, yeah, perfect you mm-hmm. yeah
1: or um yeah they can give me a call yeah. obviously yeah but, And you're uh, on
0: instagram that's a good way to check yeah, out all your instagram hats it's as well. Kim
1: Fletcher millinery yep. yeah oh yeah and facebook and facebook but just a word of warning you get my personal stuff as well <laughs> <laughs> so you'll see pictures of my family but um yeah uh that's been a really good way to do it mm-hmm. um but yeah that that's the best way just get in contact with me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, thanks, Kimmy. We think, um, well, I think you're absolutely incredible. (laughs) I think you're extremely talented. Thank you for joining us on another episode of 21st Century Women with today's guest, Kim Fletcher. Check out her website at kimfletcher.com.au and spoil yourself this spring carnival. If you have any questions or wish to get in touch, you can email me, jenna at jmco.com.au or go to the website, 21cwomen.com. Thanks for joining us on another 21st Century Women podcast brought to you by the one and only John Rowland Media Productions. Bye.